0: was she adopted three kids right like she um, helped the community she was always in a good mood um, until you know she got um, she was diagnosed with cancer and she passed away at the age of 56.
1: welcome back to another edition of the eight figure attorney podcast i am seth bader and today i'm really excited to introduce you to my next guest pamela Peinado. pamela is a uh, partner at an immigration firm she was the youngest partner uh, in her law firm. She was a partner before she was 30 years old. She is a Georgia super lawyer, rising star. She is one of the top immigration lawyers in the country. She's a philanthropist, an activist. She's one of the most generous and giving persons I know. And she is otherwise just an amazing human being. Welcome.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm like, wait, I love this introduction. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just
1: telling you, I'm just telling the people who you are.
0: I love it. Thank you so, you so welcome. much. Seth. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. And happy birthday.
0: Thank you. What did you turn
1: about, 29, 30 years old?
0: I mean, like mid-30s. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I got to ask, uh, so you just had your birthday. Yes. Um, how was it? Did you celebrate?
0: I did. Like, last minute, we did a huge fundraising um, like event. We raised a lot of money. We paid rents for families. Um, I also did a women empowerment event, and that was very successful. A lot of women came out and sort of share their stories and their hopes um, and plans to do before the the new year. So we're going to host another Woman Empowerment in December and hold them to it. And then I went to Italy, you know, by myself, because that's what you do when it's your birthday.
1: Well, congratulations. (laughs) I'm glad you celebrated. Uh, But it's amazing. I mean, even, uh, you know, I mentioned you're one of the most generous and giving people. So even on your birthday, the way you celebrate is by giving back and helping others. You have to. Tell me about that. I mean, why? Like, where does that generous spirit come from and that just giving spirit come from
0: so you know growing up I was very poor my mother was a single mother of three I mean there was so many months that we couldn't pay the rent we couldn't pay the bills and I always wish there was someone that we could have called right like a neighbor just an organization someone that would say okay you guys need a hundred dollars here you go I'll help you Mm. So I decided to become that. So Mm. I started a nonprofit organization called The Love Project. And what you can do is you go to the website, you fill out an application. And if you show us the bills and, you know, we have an interview, we'll immediately send you that money, right, Mm. to to offer you some relief. And I literally, I mean, I only think about my mom. Like, I wish we would have had some place that could have helped us immediately, Mm. right, not wait till the end of the month. Um, so that's what we do. So every single thing that I do, it has to fall under two categories, either one making money or two helping people. And I feel like if I just focus on those two things, then I'm sort of you know achieving my purpose because in order to help more people, I got to have more money. Right. And exactly. I have to, to give it away. Yeah. Um, so that's really, every time somebody wants to have dinner or anything, I'm like, uh, are we going to make money together or are we going to help people together? And if it's not in one of those categories, then I I'd rather not.
1: And again, just to be clear, the making money, obviously it, 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 affords you the opportunity to travel the world and, and, and see things and experience great things. But it sounds like the, the, the mission behind that and the purpose is to be able to make a difference and to give back.
0: Absolutely. 100%. And know i'm very unapologetic about it Mm -hmm. right like my mother had nothing right she came to this country she was valedictorian of her class and she was a maid you know literally working so hard to be able to pay some of the bills Mm. and i said i'm gonna live the life that you should have lived right and i'm going to be unapologetic about it Mm. right like i'm gonna go after everything i deserve right be at the top Um, of my game, you know, with, with, as a lawyer, as a person, and then give back as much as I possibly can. But I can't give back if I'm not, you know what I mean? Like if I need help, Mm -hmm. then how can I give back? So that's why I made sure to work so hard, put myself in a situation where now, I mean, just today, to my own nonprofit, I'm like giving $500, right? 14 scholarships that we're raising money for right now. Mm -hmm. But I can't run a nonprofit if I'm struggling. Of course. So, you know, I, I'm very unapologetic about that. I love, you know, I employ a lot of people. We help a lot of people. And that's sort of been like my mission. And it's, it's going very well.
1: I love it. Um, you've mentioned your mom at least, at least three times, maybe mm. four in this, this opening. Um, and she's, she's passed away. Um, I, I want you to talk to me about your mom and the influence. You've already kind of touched on it. But the influence that she had. On your life and 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 you know what you're doing with your life
0: absolutely i mean my mother was such a giver you know (laughs) even though she had nothing like nah i'm gonna get emotional but um she was just dope you know just like a strong woman never Mm. saw her um i'll take a moment Mm. um she was just dope Mm. never complained sort of you know if 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 she and i had to go to construction sites and you know sell plates of food to the construction workers Mm. to pay the bills that's what we were going to do if Mm. you know whatever we had to do to make ends meet and and it's like i saw it as fun like we were out there just cleaning houses together selling plates of food together and we made it happen sure and even in that she was she adopted three kids right like she um helped the community she was always in a good mood um, until you know she got, um, she was diagnosed with cancer, and she passed away at the age of 56, very young, with so much more to give. So mm. I feel like I owe it to her to really maximize it. Yeah. Because you just never know when a diagnosis can come about, when God decides that it's time for you to go home, and sure. I want to be able to look at God and say I maximized every day and mm. I, I gave it all I had.
1: Mm. Thank you for sharing that
0: made
1: me cry. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me, you yourself were an immigrant or are an mm-hmm. immigrant to the United States. And tell me about that story and that journey where you came from, um, you know, when you got here and what that experience was like uh, for you and your family, you know, and then how that, I, I, I presume that that helped uh, sort of lead you into the career you're in as an immigration lawyer.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I was born in the Dominican Republic. As I mentioned, we were very poor, um, so poor that my mother had to leave me with my aunt um, while she worked because she couldn't really afford to take care of me. And, you know, it's so funny when I think back because I've always believed in the power of the word. Mm. Like um, I used to always tell my classmates in the Dominican Republic, I'm going to live in in in, in America. Like, Mm. I'm going to live in the United States. Mm. And they would say, Pam, you say that every day. Like, you're going to stay here. Just stop. Mm -hmm. I said, no, I'm going to live in the United States. I know it. And I'm going to speak English and I'm going to be successful. Mm. And surely, you know, one day our visas got approved. Um, We got our green cards. My mother said, we're going to be with our grandma, my grandmother, her mother. We're going to move to New York. And I was just like, It came true, you know, like I kept telling everybody, Mm. I'm not coming to school tomorrow because I'm going to live in the United States and then I would be back at school. But one day, right, like Mm. what I was speaking came to fruition. We moved to New York and, you know, that was a very difficult stage for us because we didn't speak English. We didn't have, you know, the nice clothes or really anything. Mm. Um, uh, My sister and I, we were bullied a lot. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we, we did the best we could. And then my mother decided to come to Georgia. And so I've been in Georgia for 20 years now. And I consider this my home. Um, you know, and I just always remember getting on that plane with my green card and my grandmother. Right. Our immigration story was that my grandfather's sister married a U.S. citizen Mm -hmm petitioned for my grandfather, and then my grandfather, you know, brought us here. It took a while. It took like 16 years. Oh, wow. Um, And I always, my grandmother, who had Alzheimer's, Mm she always remembered the name of her immigration attorney. She would say, you know, he allowed me to pay him like $20 a week. It was such a Mm. tender story. And, you know, he helped us get here and, and be able to accomplish all the things that we couldn't in the Dominican Republic. So I think it's like my whole life, I've been on this journey you know, towards immigration. And now that I'm an immigration attorney, I'm like, you know, how full circle, right? Like school.
1: So much. I want to unpack the power (laughs) of the word being bullied, how you maintain the positive spirit in spite of that. Um, And then of course, you know, helping other people. And I know, I know that, I I know that you've told me and I've heard uh, from some others that you've actually sort of accommodated your clients in the same way that I think that attorney helped your family. Um, talk to me about being an immigration lawyer talk to me about why it it gets you up every single day and why it motivates you so much it's not necessarily seen as uh, maybe as one of the most glamorous you know uh, 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 fields of law Um, but like it's such an impactful field of law and you're making such a difference tell me Why are you so motivated to help immigrants?
0: Absolutely. So like I said, immigration is my whole life, right? Mm -hmm. I came here on a green card. Mm -hmm. My stepdad was actually um, picked up by ICE and deported Mm -hmm. when I was about 18. Right. I witnessed Mm -hmm. that then a couple of years later, the only dad that I have around, my uncle gets picked up by ICE, gets sent to Stewart Detention Center and he's there for about a year. Mm. And so I, I've personally seen how it affects everyone in the family, right? When when one person is detained or one person is deported, and I've seen that long lasting effect that it has on their children. Mm. So when I started working at this immigration law firm, it, it almost felt like it felt like this perfect alignment. Mm. Right? I started off as a receptionist. And I just became so passionate because I got it. Like I understood, right? When a a wife called me and she was upset, she wasn't upset at me. She was upset Mm -hmm. at the situation. Sure. And I could understand that very well. So every time I approach a case, I think about if this was my stepdad, right? Like if this was my mother, how would I handle it? And we've been very successful, thank God. Mm -hmm. We've done hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of pro bono cases, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but we've been very successful financially because we represent cities, like cities in mm-hmm. Georgia. We represent, you know, a lot of athletes. We represent banks, hospitals, right? Like entire hospitals, sure. you know, it's, it's a blessing. So I feel like, you know, one thing that I, I really believe in is that the more you serve, mm-hmm. right? Like the more you earn, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. And so we gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars in pro bono cases. My staff was looking at me like I was crazy. Mm. And then we would get literally like a month later, this huge contract, you know, with a city that said, you're going to do all of our immigrant employees or with a restaurant and a franchisee. So it's like, it, it sort of just completely balance each other out so I can do my passion, which sure. is helping those that can't afford it. Sure. And then I represent all these cool, amazing entities that sure. allow me to employ so many people. Sure. So...
1: I want to come back to the power of the word. Okay. I assume that that uh, you know you 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 speak to yourself a lot, know, mm-hmm. I noticed that you know a lot of leaders, a lot of really successful people, you know they they are very intentional and they set a vision for themselves and then they accomplish it. I mean, what is it that um, sort of you? Like, can you give me some examples of how you have? communicated to yourself and used words you know to 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 ultimately achieve your goals and and your dreams
0: i think your thoughts become reality always Mm -hmm. so you know some sometimes folks come up to me and they're just so negative and i'm like why Mm -hmm. are you you know thinking this way like let's switch it around Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i feel like every single time that i've said something it's come true Mm. as a kid i said i was going to live in the united states Mm. right and here i am and i said i was going to speak english and and here i am right Mm -hmm. And then it's like, and now don't get me wrong. Like there are, I doubt myself sometimes, right? Like even in the process, you know, I'm like, can I really do this? But I'm like, okay, snap out of it, Pam. You know, cause whatever, how you speak to yourself is it's in the relationship that you have in with yourself, sure. the most important relationship you're ever going to have. And if you don't love on that relationship mm. and if you don't empower that relationship, it's eventually going to crumble. Mm. So I always tell myself exactly what I want, mm. right? Like I tell myself. I want to employ this many people by the end of the year. I want to have helped this many. And I, and I give a specific number Mm. and I say, you know, I want to drive this. I want to do this. I want to fly here. I want to have, I want to be in good health. You know, I am in good health. I'm in perfect health. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to help so many people. I'm going to impact so many people's lives. And I tell myself that so much that now I 100% believe it's true. You know I mean? When somebody says, what's next for you? I said, I'm going to become a judge. Mm -hmm. It's not, I know it's going to happen. Like, you know, you're going to hear it here first. Like I say it because I know it's going to happen. I know one day I'm going to be in Washington. I know one day I'm going to be on a private plane looking at all the families, starting schools. And if you just keep like this, you know, dream big, speaking it into existence, Mm promise you it's going to turn into reality. Shh. Like it's going to.
1: Should I call you your honor right now? I think L- I mean, little, you, you know, I don't want to sure. disrespect okay. the current judges, right, but
0: right. it'll come. It'll I got come. You. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm sure that it will. I'm sure that it will. Um I'm curious, did you did you you started out at your law firm as a receptionist? Mm-hmm. I assume that one of the things you spoke into existence was to become mm. a lawyer and to become a partner. Tell me about that journey. I mean, there's a lot of Uh, young uh, professionals out there, some that work for you, some that work with Mm me, uh, some that are not even in the legal space that may not be able to fully see their potential and their future. I mean, tell me about your journey from receptionist to partner.
0: That's definitely my favorite story to tell because while you're in it, you're like, oh, I hate my life. (laughs) This is tough. My boss is so hard on me. But looking back, I'm like, God, thank you, God. Mm. What an opportunity, you know? Like, what a blessing. So, I was working at Landmark Diner. I was at Georgia State, right, as an undergrad. I was working at Landmark Diner. My coworker said, "Hey, there's an opening at my law firm." I'm like, "Well, how much does it pay?" Because you know, all of us we're always thinking about that paycheck. Mm. But opportunities often don't come tied with a paycheck, right? And mm. people miss it because they're looking for that paycheck, and they miss these amazing opportunities. So I said, okay, how much does it pay? She's like, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight. Mm. Like, I'll go interview, but you know, we'll see. So I interview with George Lee okay. and he's like, you know, hey, this job pays $8. And I'm like, I'm in college. I'm bilingual. Mm-hmm. I'm a hard worker. He's like, $8, take it or leave it. Mm. At that time, I had a credit card agency offering me 12
2: mm.
0: So I'm like, man, he's not even willing to meet me halfway. But something inside just said, I don't know, man. I feel like this is where I belong, you know, like in a law firm with the big bosses, right? And with Mm. the suits. Mm. I just love that lifestyle. Mm. So, you know, I said, let's do it. And he said, can you begin today? I said, well, I got my grandma and my little sister's in the car downstairs, so I can't. But I'm going to be here tomorrow. And, you know, I showed up super early with like the one nice shirt that I had um, I think my shift ended at 5:30. I was there till 7:30. I just I, I submerged myself into that work. As a receptionist, um, I was working maybe 60 hours, probably more. I just loved it. I wanted to be the best receptionist that this law firm had ever seen. And I remember one night, George Lee, um, you know, he he came to the office and he said. Pam, you're still here. Why do you work like you own this place? Mm. I'm like, because one day I will. (laughs) I'm (laughs) laughing. Like, one day I will. And so, you know, I I paid my dues. I stayed the course, making very little money, but I knew that what I was learning was priceless. Mm. Um, So I stayed the course. I got eventually promoted to a legal assistant, paralegal. My mother said to me, Pam, go to law school. You know, like you're, you you deserve to be an attorney. I, as a paralegal, I was telling attorneys what to do, right? Like, hey, argue it this way. This Writing out their closing arguments, you know, uh, preparing everything for them. I was just so submerged into it. Because I think if you're not a good servant, if you're not an excellent servant, an excellent receptionist, you're not going to be an excellent boss. You're not going to be an excellent CEO. So if... God can't trust you to be a good receptionist. Do you think God is going to trust you to lead a law firm? Absolutely not, right? So you got to take all those steps like in your life, all those stages, maximize it, be the best at it, add so much value to it Mm. that literally by the time that, you know, I went to law school and graduated, and um, I thank one of my mentors for this. I had a meeting with George Lee, right, who I had this... Um, interview with many years before. And, you know, he asked me, what do you want to stay? I can't lose you. And so I said, I want this amount. I want 50% partnership. I want the name change. I want, you know, and I'm just, I'm like, he's definitely going to say no. You know, like I'm listening to my mentor who's hyping me up, telling me, ask him for this girl, ask him for this. (laughs) And he said, okay, anything else? I said, oh my gosh. Like, wow, that was a very like surreal moment for me because mm. sometimes, I think it taught me sometimes, you know, not to undervalue yourself, one, and two, to do the work, and that work will speak for itself. So it's like, he couldn't lose me because I'd done everything mm. and I'd work harder than anybody. Mm. And then now I'm like a partner at this law firm, you know, I'm like, is this really happening? <laughs> like, what, what is life? <laughs> I was able to take care of my family. Mm. My mother didn't have to work anymore, which was my goal from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just been such a crazy ride. But looking back, I'm like, I'm so glad I took that $8 job. Mm. Thank you God for not letting me take that $12 job because it was $4 more. And I would have missed my calling and my purpose. Amazing. Yeah.
1: And, and now, now, how many years did you work between the time you accepted that $8 Ooh. and the time you, you made your not even demands, but you, 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 told him what it is that, that you thought, uh, you were worth and, and where you ultimately became a partner,
0: 10 years,
1: 10 years. I'm curious, like during those 10 years, were there a lot of discussions about pay or was your focus really on just maximizing value and adding value to his organization?
0: Maximizing value. I never asked for a raise, never. Mm. And now, George was very generous mm-hmm. and would give me bonuses, raise my pay, you know, and a dollar and, 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 you know, sort of said, wow, like, we really appreciate you and kept going. Mm-hmm. And I never asked for a raise. Mm. Um, now, you know, I do tell my mentees, you know, like, mm-hmm. let's strategize on this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you should demand your worth. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, like, sometimes you got to look at it as a value, What is it that you're learning? What is it that it's going to get you ahead of the curve? Mm -hmm. So then when I became a partner, I made more money than any of, you know, my, my, the law students that I knew that I graduated with, but they were making more money than me, you know, initially, Mm. but I just knew it. I knew that once it was going to pop, like it was going to be big. So I went from making nothing to making like, you know, 20 times more than that. And like in a year, you know, in a day right after I became a lawyer but I think if you make yourself indispensable like Mm. irreplaceable Mm. right like man how could they afford to lose you so if you go up to your boss and you're like I want this race well you show up late you have a bad attitude Mm. you do the bare minimum or you do just as you're told there's no innovation there's Mm. no you know uh, that's a problem
1: what do you say that those people out there within the legal space and outside of the legal space that may actually be doing the work that you were doing, staying late, going the extra mile, coming in early, being innovative, you know, really offering solutions. Maybe they've been in a job for six months, eight months, 10 months, maybe a year, and but things are not moving fast enough. Mm-hmm. What advice do you give them uh, so that they can sort of find the patience to 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 stick it through and actually get to that point where they can have that conversation and say, look, you know, well, really, we're, we're, they shouldn't even need to get to the conversation if, if somebody identifies that they're adding value and they're, you know, and then they're themselves giving back value. But what do you say to those people that may not think it's moving fast enough?
0: Mm. I have these conversations all the time because in this social media world, mm. people are like, Oh, my God, she became a partner overnight, <laughs> you know, like, oh, my gosh, they became rich overnight. They did this overnight. And so they have this mentality that, you know, my life is not moving fast enough.
2: Mm.
0: And, and I and I hate that. Right. Because they don't see all the blood, sweat and tears that mm. went into getting, you know, mm. where we're at. They don't see it because, you know, we didn't have social media back then. (laughs) Um, And I would just say to them to please stay the course. Mm. I tell my mentees, you know, work backwards. Like think about number one, where do you want to be? What is your end goal, right? Like I want to be the owner of a law firm. I want to be a CEO. I want to be rich, whatever you want to be. Then work backwards. Like, okay, what do I have to do to get to that point? And if you know you want to be a lawyer and you're at a law firm, why would you go work somewhere else? Right. Or, you know, sometimes even they might go to a different law firm for a Mm -hmm. couple more dollars, but it's like if you're working at a place where you're building trust Mm -hmm. and you have that relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Like just stay the course and it's going to pay off. You know, I was working for 10 years, like 10 years of my life that I dedicated to this law firm and you know, the, the result kind of exceeded my expectations. Of course. Completely. And I I would just say add so much value that they can't afford to lose you. Mm. Right. Um, so just stay the course, be patient, like work backwards on your goal. Like, what do I, where do I want to be in five years? And is this place where I'm at going to take me there? And am I passionate about this? Because if you're working at a place and you're Mm. not passionate, you're just taking up space. Let somebody else come into that law firm and Mm. set it on fire. Sure. Right, if you're just oh, I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna, you know, do what I'm told. No, get out. Like you're just wasting space. You're wasting energy. Let somebody else come in.
1: Talk to me about mentorship.
0: Mm.
1: You've mentioned, I think you've mentioned you had a mentor, and uh, you've mentioned that you have many mentees now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: First, let's let's just talk generally about the value of mentorship, and then what I want I want to hear from you is about your mentor or mentors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then we can talk about how you're mentoring others now.
0: Absolutely. So my first mentor was mm-hmm. George, my boss. Right. Met him when I was, what, 1920. Took me under his wing, you know, this young, not confident, mm-hmm. shy girl. Um, and taught me everything there was to know about immigration. Mm-hmm. Right. Really took a chance on me. I think when somebody hires you, you know, they're, they're taking a chance on you. Right. Like, don't let them down. I mean, they're investing their resources, their knowledge into you. Mm -hmm. So you got to use it wisely. Right. He's my first mentor, poured so much into me, made me into the best receptionist, the best legal assistant, the best attorney. Then after. Right. I became an attorney. Then I had female mentors Mm. that were attorneys that were powerful, everything that I wanted to be. Um, And they taught me a lot, right? Things that my male mentor could never, right? Mm -hmm. Like she taught me how to dress, how to, you know, when you show up in a room, uh, you know, how to eat, like how to network, Um, things that my first mentor, a white male, just, you know, couldn't relate, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's so important to have different mentors in different areas. And I credit my mentors fully for like where I am today. My mock trial team, my coaches, they were my mentors, right? Taught me about advocacy and, and how to you know, present a case. Um, you know, while in law school, I feel like there's so many mentors in your life. And then once you like reach a place where you can pour into others, then you should immediately do so. And while I still have my mentors and I treasure that relationship and I value it so much, I've decided to mentor as many people as possible because if I would have had mentors like the mentors that I have right now at 15, 16, it's like a rocket. I would have done everything, Mm. you know, so much sooner because I would have had so much knowledge. So that's why I founded the Love Project 404. It's a nonprofit organization. What we do is we meet with 25 young girls every Tuesday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., and we bring them speakers, right, from different um, areas, right, motivational speakers, lawyers, judges, counselors. And then we stay on the call with them, my board, Mm -hmm. to answer any questions they may have, anything at all. I don't care what it is. Sometimes we don't get off the call until 12 Mm a.m. That's every Tuesday, right? And I think you can see them, like, evolving and changing and, you know, the questions that they have, how beneficial it's going to be for them to hear it from yeah. somewhere, someone that's been through it. Um, so we do that and, and we, at the end, we're going to give them scholarships, right, for mm-hmm. schools. And I just, every day, you know, I get those messages like, you know, this speaker changed my life. This speaker, you know, made me find my purpose. And you're just like, man, I've arrived. Like, I've made it, you know, <laughs> so. Well,
1: but you don't uh, just help young women, you actually help uh, all women. Oh yeah. Uh, you have. I know you. You host like a women's empowerment yes. dinner uh, periodically.
2: Yes, I uh, do. T-
1: tell me about that. I mean, I'm curious to know um, a little bit about that, and also just generally the challenges that women and young women, you know, are facing, and that are unique to them. You know, I got two girls.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I
1: got to prepare for that.
0: Absolutely. And so, and I think you're doing a wonderful job. Well, thank Seth, you. But <laughs> you know, being a woman. I think naturally we're like nurturers and helpers. Mm-hmm. Like that is just in our in our being. Like, mm. you know, when I meet somebody and I always tell folks, I suffer and I think a lot of women suffer from this hero complex. You hear a story and you're like, I got to save them. I got to do something. And we never put that much resources and attention on our own mm. like issues or our own like desires. Mm-hmm. I mean there's been things that I've wanted to do like uh, an online course mm-hmm. and I've helped other people launch their online mm-hmm. courses before I launched mine. Mm. You know and I said, "Wait a minute." Like, "No, I got to do, you know, I got to" and that's why I started this women empowerment event. I said, "Okay, guys, all of us here and usually about 30 to 40 women come out to the, this event. Um, judges prosecutors law students undergrad students come and we have them introduce themselves right in front of everybody to gain that confidence and then we have them talk about an immediate goal that they want to accomplish and by the next meeting we ask them what have you done Mm. we hold them to the fire right Mm. because otherwise if you don't they start doing everything for everybody else their children their spouses their employees their friends And they're not doing anything for themselves. So I was like, we're going to hold them accountable. And it's actually held me accountable. Mm. Right. I said, I want to do this online course. I want to teach people about immigration. And, you know, I I get the same thing that I'm giving out. And I finally launched it. Like, you know, they put me to the fire. I've put them to the fire. And we are, like, accomplishing all of our goals before 2022.
1: That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Accountability.
0: Accountability is everything. Because if you say it to a group of people, mm-hmm. oh, now you got to do it, because <laughs> they're gonna be like, so what have you? What have you done for that idea you had last time you were here? You're like, well, I was, I was being a mother. I was being this. Uh, uh, we know, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what did you do for that idea? So, you know, just having. You know, for your daughters and, f- and for my sister. So I, I adopted my sister, mm-hmm. my daughter. Um, and, you know, I always tell her, like, establish a group of young girls who have your same mentality, who have that same drive. Mm. Right. And hold each other accountable. Mm. And, you know, make sure that you guys all reach your goals and add value to that relationship. You know, don't waste your time talking about boys and negativity and that gossip, social media. You're wasting your time. Talk about your goals. Mm. What businesses you guys want to open. At 18, mm. I should have had an LLC. <laughs> but I didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. So, you know, I'm like, talk about those LLCs. Talk about starting a nonprofit. Talk about investing, trading. And if you do that at 18, can you imagine by the time they're 30,
1: mm.
0: they take over the world?
1: It's interesting. You know, accountability
0: mm-hmm.
1: for a lot of people I think has a, has a negative connotation mm. but you know as, as you've as you've explained it really is a positive thing it's not, it can be uncomfortable at times mm-hmm. but if you if you don't hold yourself and your friends and your your team accountable then you're really not going to uh, achieve your goals
0: absolutely and you've got to move with speed that's what yeah. i tell people if you have an idea launch the idea immediately what are you waiting for
1: well, well let me ask you about that you know um I think being decisive is critical Mm -hmm. uh, to being successful as a a business owner and as a leader. Mm -hmm. Uh, But sometimes people get held up on not having the perfect plan, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you say about that? Like, do you you think that people should be decisive, quick and just move and kind of learn along the way? Or do you think it's uh, more effective to take more time to sort of plan things out? Mm -hmm.
0: So when I was younger, I would have set the ladder, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I always wanted everything to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Now, no. Now I'm like, is it good enough, right? 80-20. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's better to launch it and fix it as you go, mm-hmm. right? Because you can always, I mean, obviously, if it's something that's like final, like a brief, right? Yeah, no, you, you want to make sure it's perfect. Yeah, of course. I'm talking about ideas here. And mm-hmm. like, you know, if it's if it's something that you know you can edit, you can improve mm-hmm. as you go, then move with speed. Otherwise, somebody else is going to take that opportunity and mm. run with it. Mm. You're going to miss your window. Something else is going to come up. So I always tell people, like, while I'm talking to them, if you ask me to do something, I'm doing it right now. Right? Like, you got to do it right now. You got to do it right then. And it's, it's proved, like, I mean, I've done, been able to accomplish so much with my nonprofit. Seth, mm. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. I just had a group of women mm-hmm. that, you know, came together, my friends, and we all were like-minded. We were putting our $100 each to pay people's rent just as best friends. Mm -hmm. And I said, if we had a nonprofit, we could help hundreds of families. So I said, I'm gonna do it. Started it, did the articles of, you know, set up everything. And I said, God help me. Mm -hmm. And it's been so successful, Seth. Mm. You know, we've course corrected along the Mm -hmm. way. Like, okay, let's, you know, maybe let's do this initiative, let's do this. But had I waited until it was perfect, it would have never launched and we wouldn't have been able to help the many people that we've helped. I mean, we've raised in a year, probably 150,000, you being one of our donors. We've like mentored hundreds of kids. We've helped sponsor, you know, countless of families, save them from eviction. We've bailed so many people out of jail that were there for tiny crimes, nothing, you know, just because they didn't have $500 to bail out. I mean, so we've done so much and had I waited, so many people would not have benefited from it. So think about that. Like while you're delaying it, you're like preventing somebody's blessing. You're delaying somebody else's blessing because you Mm. want it to be perfect.
1: Mm. You have a lot of energy. (laughs) I mean...
0: I get that a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this energy. I I just... I I think you've touched on it earlier, but just explain to me this energy. I mean, to have this much energy, this much passion, is is this just all from your this from your mom and you just your experience growing up mm-hmm.
0: absolutely i think my mom had a huge part to do i think being an immigrant as well mm-hmm. i think you know my biggest fear is wasting time wasting my talents you know like i have this vision of you know when i die you know i am you know next to god and and god is like you know what did you do and i can say I've maximized every single day. Like I Mm. gave it a hundred percent. I used all of my resources, all of my talents. I left nothing. Right. And Mm. I think that just like fuels me. Mm. Like it gives me everything that I do. I want to give it a hundred percent. You know, otherwise I always think somebody else should be in here. Mm. Like God should have given somebody else the opportunity to sit in this podcast. If I wasn't going to give it a hundred percent, if I wasn't going to reach people for real and like, Mm. You know, make them feel something. Maybe make them do something. Mm. You know, I always think if you're given a space, make sure that nobody else could have done that thing that you were doing in that space better than you. Otherwise, give it up to somebody else. I can promise you one thing. No one could do, you know, in the immigration law better than me. No Mm. one can represent my clients better than me. No one can do this nonprofit, you know, better than me the way that I do it and my board members. Mm -hmm. Everything that I do, I'm always like, I'm going to maximize it. I'm going to take up every like, you know, every room in that space, like I'm going to do everything that I can in that space. And I just feel like, you know, energy just moves people too. Mm. You know, if I'm like, well, this and that, I don't think I'm going to move anybody. But if I'm like, come on, guys, let's go. We can do this, you know, kind of like a coach. Then, you know, you can empower a bunch of people to do the Mm. same.
1: Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for not only giving 100, but giving 150% today. I really... I appreciate you coming by and uh, dropping all that knowledge, that wisdom, and that experience. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Seth. <laughs>